0: You're tuned in to Chromebooks Today, the podcast where Chromebook news and views collide. If you need the show notes or just want to say hi, visit us at Chromebooks.today. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Chromebooks Today, um, an audio podcast that offers weekly coverage of topical news items related to Chrome OS. Uh, My name is James. Uh, You're gonna have to uh, excuse my voice today. I'm trying to get over a cold. Um, I'll do my best. Uh, joining me today is Craig Tumbleson, uh, and possibly joining us uh, may be John Oliphant. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing better than you are, James, from the sounds of it, but that's okay. I hope so.
1: <laughs> and like James said, John should be stopping in later. He's a little preoccupied with work, but that's not abnormal for John. He's a very, very busy man, and we're thankful for all
0: the time he does have week to week. We sure are, Craig um so today it's no secret uh this week's a little bit slow uh but we do have stuff to talk about because it's chrome os and we love chrome os so we could talk about it all day every day um i think uh we're gonna go ahead and open up with talking about uh the stable channel update craig how's that sound to you
1: that sounds great and very timely because it just happened about half an hour before we started recording
0: yes it did in fact my device has not received the update yet. I'm still stuck on M41, and I told it to check for an update, and it said there are no updates. So uh, we are, we are the, the cutting edge of technology right now, those of you who, who've got M42 on your devices. Um, Craig, what's new? What, what should I notice uh, if I ever get this M42 update?
1: Several things, James, several things. Um, as Chrome OS users in general should know, The Stable Channel updates about every six weeks, and when it does, it brings lots and lots of fun new things. Uh, This time around, specifically, the Files app has a brand new look. It has the Material Design update, and it is gorgeous, I have to say. The animations are possibly a little overkill, but they really are gorgeous to look at. Um, This update also brings support for password-protected zip files, not password-protected RAR files. And I know some people have asked for that. I don't know the status of that, but this update does bring password-protected zip file functionality. Also included is an update to the calculator app if you haven't already received that update separately. And the biggest change of all, the thing you'll notice right away, the system font has changed. (laughs) And as simple and mindless as that sounds, it actually does make a bit of a difference. Um, The most striking thing for me is that the system clock is now in bold. So it's easier to see the time just quickly glancing at the uh, bottom right hand corner of the screen. And you may notice in some areas, the font seems a little smaller. Um, I know some people have said they've had to adjust their resolution to kind of make up for that because it was a little hard to read. But other than that, James, those are the big things and some security and performance updates. But those are the, those are the biggest things that Milestone 42 includes.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, I I haven't got the update yet, but <clears throat> my uh, my Pixel is on. Um, it was on beta for a while, and it's uh, it's on dev now, so I have seen most of these changes already. Um, when did the app drawer icon switch from the nine boxes to the magnifying glass? That's a good point. That is
1: also included in this update. Um, It was not mentioned on the official changelog for some reason, but yes, yes. Uh, Users, well, that's another thing you'll notice right away. In the lower left-hand of your corner, the little nine icon grid has disappeared and it has been replaced with a search icon. And when you press it, it brings up a new centered app launcher. It shows four of your most commonly used apps and then you can press all apps to bring up the rest of your app tray. Um, th- this has been hit or miss in the community so far for beta channel users. Some people like it, some people don't. Um, personally, I haven't really used it enough to form a an educated opinion yet, but I know, James, you actually caught a bug and got that reported, and uh, I believe that's been taken care of, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, when, they've, when this um, first came out, I think it uh, came to beta a little bit ago. And uh, when you first open it, it shows you four apps, four or five apps right away. And I don't know how they determine which apps show up there. I think they said that it's supposed to be the apps you use the most. But based on my workflow, I'm not sure that's accurate. But anyways, there's four apps there. And then there's a button you can click to view all your apps. And what I found is that if I hit the search key on my keyboard like I normally do um, and then just start typing the name of an app if I happen to be searching for one of those four apps that shows up already when I start typing and it starts searching it that app will not show up so that was kind of annoying because that's how I'm, I'm used to doing it I just hit the search key I start typing you know code anywhere and then um, it highlights code anywhere I hit enter and it opens that app. I don't, I don't bother searching through all my apps and clicking on the one I need. So that was fairly annoying for me because I would search for it and it wouldn't show up because that happened to be one of the original four. Um, but I, I do believe that that has been fixed. Um, last time I used that, that feature on my other device that, that has that update. Um, I, it, it wasn't doing that anymore. So I'm and it. It's pretty uh, – I'm not surprised. They, they wouldn't have put it to stable if uh, it was still doing that, I don't think. <laughs> That's the point of the beta and dev channels is to get stuff like that figured out first.
1: Definitely. And I did just check and verify it. You are correct. Um, one of my most used apps is Calculator. I started typing Calculator even though it showed up, and it just worked just as intended. I was easily able to open it with just the keystrokes, no need to move the mouse around on the screen at all. So,
0: yep. one less bug. Yeah, that's good. And that's those are kind of the two camps. The people who like the new update are the people like me who just hit the search button, I think, and start typing for an app and they find it. The people who don't like the update are the ones that used to click with their mouse, click on the app launcher, and scroll through their apps and find the app they want. Because with this new look, there's an extra button click. They have to click the launcher... And if the app they're looking for is isn't one of the four then they have to click another button that says all apps So some people are are complaining about the extra click Other people like me don't really notice much of a difference because we're doing the same exact thing to find the apps We want that we always used to do hit search type the app hit enter The only difference is the thing that shows up for two seconds while I'm typing is in the middle of my screen now instead of the bottom left um, what will be exciting I don't think it's hit yet, but if you're on a dev channel um, they're integrating um, Google now into that launcher. So that's something to look forward to in the future. Um, I've used it on, on dev. That's it's not, there's not a whole lot of features um, that it only shows you a couple cards or whatnot, but uh, I think that'll be cool. It was at least good for checking the weather really quickly. I just hit the search key. It brought up the app drawer and I scrolled down and I could see the weather. So that's something to look forward to.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I do not see Google now at the moment in the stable channel, but I do have it on the beta channel on one of my other devices. So it's possible that they're not, it's possible it'll be a server side thing and they'll just flip that switch when they think the bugs are worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, so until then, if that's something you're interested in, maybe look into switching to the beta channel, um, or just maybe stay put. It could only be a few days. It could be a few weeks. It could, all change and never come through. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's living in Chrome OS. It's a cutting edge operating system.
0: Yeah. And that's cool. I didn't know it was in beta. I thought it was still in dev. So, um, like you said, it could, could happen anytime. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the calculator app looks different. Some people may have seen that already. Um, they, they updated that kind of on its own. Um, when you're in there, you can click on, um, The green bar on the far right and it gives you some more options Then you can click on the more different green bar on the right again to get even more options. So just gives you some functionality. I'm not a huge fan. Um, One thing I've noticed when I've clicked all the way to the, to the third set of options or even the first set of options to get back to the numbers. You have to click on the gray on the far left, but if you don't click far enough to the left, you just type seven or four or one or period depending on, where you're clicking in that gray area. So that's kind of annoying. You have to really make sure you're clicking as far left in that gray area as possible, otherwise you might end up just hitting a number. But other than that, it's it's got some more functionality that it didn't have before.
1: The alternative there is to just make it bigger and then it the green shows. Um, and that's actually in contrast to the previous calculator which was locked in at the fixed size and you could not make it bigger. And that became a problem for people that use the page zoom feature because it would cut numbers off. There was a lot of negative feedback about that. So I yeah. think they've managed to fix that this time around. Uh, but like you said, it has some new functionality and it looks so much nicer.
0: Yeah. It does look pretty slick. um, yeah, you talked you talked about the font um, password protected zip files <clears throat> does that mean I can um, create a zip file and password protected or is it just saying that if I bring a password protected zip file on my Chromebook I can now open it Let's check <laughs> because that's
1: that's how these things work right um, I'm not seeing an option to add a password. No. Um, I can zip my zipped archive, and it that works, but I'm not seeing an option to add a password. I could be missing something. It could be an extra menu item, um, but I'm not seeing it through a right-click or the overflow for files app. So I'm going to state on the record at the moment, I'm not sure, but... I can imagine that if it doesn't support it, that's probably something they're looking into. Um, but it definitely supports opening files that were created on other operating systems that have a password um, protecting their contents. Now, I- I've heard people debating whether or not this ever gets used because uh, it's, it's fairly easy to circumvent these days. Um, and and it, you should not be relying on that for um, sensitive Information, you should be doing some sort of encryption method there, above and beyond just the password protect built into the zip format. But uh, for for those of you that maybe, for some reason, have zip files that were stored on floppy disks or something, and you're pu- you're using a Windows computer to pull them off, maybe running two thousand or XP. Um, and of course, Google did announce today that they are extending. Chrome for Windows XP support through the end of the year. It's um, true. It was it was only supposed to go through April, but they went ahead and officially extended it through the end of the year. So if you're using Windows XP and you're pulling password protected zip files off of floppy disks, throw them in a drive using your up-to-date version of Chrome, and then throw them on your Chromebook and you'll still be able to open them or you know at least the zip files.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: there's no telling what's inside them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Loads of viruses. <clears throat> Let's see here, and then um, that pretty much covers the M42 release. Um, I'm glad you brought up that Chrome for XP. That's that was something that uh, that was just announced, and I forgot about. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, we thought we that we thought we would take some time on this episode to uh, talk about some of our favorite um, apps and extensions that we use on our Chrome devices. Um, so. I thought that uh, I kind of wanted to start with one particular extension um, just because the nature of, of what it does. Um, it's an extension that I recently started using. I think Mike McLaughlin um, told me about it. It's What it does is it, <clears throat> it uh, lists all of your extensions. When you click on the icon for this extension, it shows you a list of all your extensions, and you can toggle those extensions Between enabled and disabled just by clicking on it, so you don't have to go to Chrome colon slash slash extensions find your extension Click the checkbox to disable or enable it Um, You just click on this extension Scroll through the list click on it. It makes it super easy. Um, I like doing that because that way uh, I'm kind of I like extensions. I just click I I see an extension. I like I click on it I mean I would be a terrible Windows user because I would have viruses everywhere, but I just love trying out new extensions, so I have a lot of them on my list. I don't necessarily want them all enabled all the time, um, so I kind of just enable them as I need them, um, and uh, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool feature in my opinion. So I wanted to talk about that. It's called One Click Extension Manager, um, and uh, we we will go ahead and and uh, make a list of the apps that we talk about tonight and throw them in the uh, in the show notes for you. Craig, what's an app that uh, that you like?
1: Well, if I go by the apps that I use the most, by far, hands down, Pushbullet. Yes. Pushbullet all the way. Um, the elevator pitch for Pushbullet is the ability to push files, links, notes, messages, whatever, from device to device seamlessly. Um, And on top of that, they've built things like automated notification mirroring. So if your Android device gets a notification, it can automatically be sent to Chrome um, without any interaction from you, the user, whatsoever. Um, You can also fine-tunely control that and say, well, I don't need email notifications or I don't need notifications from this app or this app on my phone. Um, I use it for sending links from my phone to my Chrome instances all the time, almost daily. Um, I browse Reddit on my phone, and if I find an article or something that's lengthy or a site that's maybe not loading correctly on Chrome for mobile or something like that, I just share it by a push bullet and it pops up on my Chrome, on my Windows PC or my Chromebooks, and it's just wonderful. Uh, You can also use it to send small files between your devices. I don't use that, but I hear other people do. Uh, And one of my favorite parts is uh, push bullet channels and as silly as it sounds, you can essentially subscribe and let someone else send you notifications. And that sounds kind of silly, uh, especially if you think about like YouTube channels and getting notifications from commenters or something like that. But Uh it's not like that. Um, Some of the most popular channels include things like getting notifications when uh, a Android factory image is posted or Um, I've created three channels, one for the Chrome OS stable channel, beta channel, and developer channel that will notify you when there's an update that has just been pushed to that channel. So, for example, earlier I got a notification that the stable channel had updated to Milestone 42. That's how I was first made aware of it. I didn't have to even check my RSS feed. It just popped up and told me, James. And, yes, it pushed I think I lost me for a second there.
0: Yeah, I lost you too for a second.
1: <laughs> That's the second time it's done this. I wonder <clears throat> if there's a problem.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen your video for a while, but your audio just cut out.
1: Well, my pixel dropped the call completely. So hmm, interesting. Um, did it cut me off or was I pretty much done?
0: It did cut you off. Um, I don't remember where.
1: <laughs> Lovely. All right. Well, just to quickly recap, then I've created three channels that will notify you, um, of an update that's been pushed out to Chrome West for that channel earlier. I got an update from milestone 42, letting me know that the stable channel been updated. Those links will be in the show notes. If you want to grab push bullet and subscribe to those
0: notifications. Yeah, that's re- that's really cool. I also, um, am a huge, uh, Advocate for push bullet. I tried AirDroid a while ago. Uh, That seemed to be the most popular app for moving files from your phone to your computer. And honestly, I found AirDroid for some reason uh, just not very easy to use. Didn't seem as intuitive. Push bullet uh, was really intuitive. Um, So I I do use that a lot for for moving files back and forth. Um, The website thing is cool. Probably one of the reasons why. Chrome to phone isn't a thing anymore. There's just so many easier ways to share a website between devices. Uh, you can do it inside Chrome in the recent tabs. Um, or like Craig said, you can just use Pushbullet to push a link um, to yourself, which is really handy. Um, the, uh, there's, I've noticed a couple um, things that are, aren't so great about it. Uh, you can text with Pushbullet. Um, but the annoying thing is if you send me a text, I'll get a notification push bullet that will show me your text and it will let me reply. And if I reply and hit send that box goes away. So I can't text you again unless you reply to me again. Um, I can't reply to you via push bullet again because the box goes away. So there's no way to just initiate like a text easily. Um, But uh, the other thing is, I tried to push a picture earlier today and I I was on my phone. I had taken a screenshot of my phone <clears throat> and I went to do a push and I chose to do a picture and the screenshot didn't show up in, in the Photos app or the gallery for some reason. But I went back and chose to send a file instead of a picture and the picture was the first file in my recent section. So it worked out. It just was weird that that I had to send the picture as a file instead of sending the picture as a picture. But those are really minor things. Overall, Pushbullet's amazing. I use it all the time. It's one of the apps that is enabled all the time on my Chromebook, I, that app or extension I mentioned earlier that lets me toggle things on and off. I rarely, rarely ever toggle Pushbullet off. In fact, I don't think I've ever done that. Um, it's uh, it's just always on. It's so handy. Um... Uh, I guess it's my turn uh, that another app I want to talk about, I'm actually going to talk about two apps because they're pretty much the same. They do the same thing. A um, couple apps I use a lot are Cloud9 and CodeAnywhere. <clears throat> and what these are, these are online IDEs for, um, for web development. Um, they allow me to connect to my server via FTP and I have access to all my my files and folders on my server and i can open up html files, css files, uh javascript files, php files, whatever and uh and i can edit them and it's it's not just like a plain text editor it it does um you know color code your your code for you um as you would expect something designed for for web development to do um so it makes it really easy to spot things and helps can help you organize keep your code organized um, and it has, you know, the, the features that that are that seem small but are just a really big help, like find and replace. You know, sometimes I I need to go out and find a particular tag that I have 12 times on a page, and I need to change it to this other tab tag, you know, and search for it, replace everything. Uh, particularly when I copy-paste things in, <clears throat> sometimes it'll copy over a funny-looking apostrophe that looks fine in the code, but when you save it and you view it on the web page, instead of seeing the apostrophe, you get the... Whatever symbol combination for an apostrophe is, so I can hop back in, search for an apostrophe, replace all my apostrophes with apostrophes, and then that problem goes away. So um, I use those apps. I I go back and forth because I can't figure out which one I like better. Um, I used Cloud9 for a while. Now I'm using CodeAnywhere. I will say that CodeAnywhere does have an Android app that does work pretty well. I wouldn't recommend, you know, extensive web development on on a mobile device, that would be fairly annoying. Um, less annoying though, if you'd like to carry a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse around, I could see um, web development on an Android tablet with a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse um, using the code anywhere app. I could see that actually being uh, okay and productive. Something I could, you know, actually do. Um, but uh, so that's the, that's what I want to talk about. Um, Craig, I know you use that, you use an app on your windows machine for that kind of stuff that uh, I think you've talked about and you, and, and you like better than Code Anywhere or Cloud9. Um, but how would you, as far as something that works on a Chromebook, I mean, what are your thoughts on Code If you had to, could you give up your Windows app and use Cloud9 or Code Anywhere?
1: That's a tall order. Um, <laughs> I am a very big fan of brackets for Windows. Yes. It's an Adobe tool, it's open source, and it's actually built as an HTML5 app. Um, and they use brackets to develop brackets. I love that. <laughs> um, it's not yet available for Chrome OS, but there has been discussion about a port. Um, because it is kind of just an HTML5 app, it could transfer over, but it makes use of some um, system-level APIs that I don't think are available yet on Chrome OS for things like file storage and creating a temporary server and things like that. So um, I'm hopeful. Um, I, I use Cloud9 for small edits on the go. It's handy. Um, the interface is okay. I haven't had any real problems, but I don't know that I could do any sort of extensive work in it. Um, I, I'm still partial to having brackets and an FTP client, FileZilla by choice, um, and a web browser, and being able to kind of jump between what I'm working on and all three. And I have a. I, I have a level of comfort in that type of configuration and uh, I could probably make do with cloud nine um, or CodeAnywhere. I haven't tried that one, but it would be a learning experience and ain't no one got time for that.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and I've never had the pleasure of using brackets. Um, so code anywhere. I mean, I used to do it. I had to, uh, I would do it through cPanel, which is awful because it, CPanel has no code editing features. It's just a, you might as well be editing it in, in Notepad. Um, so for me, Cloud9 and CodeAnywhere were like super mega awesome, <laughs> coming from, from CPanel using CPanel. Um, so, but uh, is there a Linux version of Brackets? Do you know? That's a
1: good question. I'm not sure. Um, I would have to check. Um, but I will say that compared to cPanel, yeah, anything is a step up. Uh, one of my key features in brackets, though, is the ability to hover over a link um, to an image, and it gives you a preview of the image inside the code editor. Um, same thing for colors. It gives you a little square patch with the color. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very, very helpful for quick debugging and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, but yeah, compared to cPanel, even Notepad has a leg up on cPanel, and I've done coding in Notepad before. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's how I used to do it. You know, in Windows, if I'm developing locally, um, I just right-click on the web page HTML file and and choose edit with Notepad or whatever, and (laughs) that's how, back in the day, that's how I did it.
1: Well, I was a fan of Notepad++ for a while um, until Brackets beat it out for me. And, but yeah. it still comes in handy. It, it, there, there's a few areas where Brackets is still a little ways behind, and I'll file up, fire up Notepad++ anyway. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can't beat simple text editors when it comes to stuff like that for real quick edits where you know what you're doing and you just need to get in and out. Right. Uh, there's no need to fire up anything major. So, Agreed.
0: Cool, um, <clears throat> you're up. What's, a, what's an app you like? Uh, oh, is it Mike already? Um, <laughs> okay, well
1: you did two, so I'm gonna do two. Uh, the first one is called Center Image. Yes, Center Image. <laughs> and what it does is, get this, wait for it, you open up an image in Chrome, and instead of displaying it in the top left, it displays it in the center of the screen. it's wild wild. Um, I haven't actually checked recently to see if Chrome has done that by default now but I keep it installed anyway just in case Um, do you know if images still appear in the top left
0: Um, I view images a lot and uh, I've never seen one show up in the middle (laughs) that would kind of blow my mind if that happened
1: Well, I got addicted to that because of Opera. (laughs) Um, That was the way that Opera did it forever. Mm -hmm. So when I switched to Chrome, it was one of the first extensions that I uh, went looking for. Um, So yeah, that's extension number one. And extension number two along that same path is called Images. I think that's how they want you to pronounce it. And basically what it does is allow you to hover over a link to image a link to an image on virtually any website doesn't matter if it's a Reddit, doesn't matter if it's Google plus Facebook, wherever someone has linked to an image, you hover over it and it displays that image in line in a little pop up hover thing. And when you swipe off the link, it disappears. It's very fast and very, very useful because if you're looking at a thumbnail and it's a little tiny, tiny thumbnail and you want to see the bigger image, but you don't wanna click on it because clicks are too much work. You hover over and it shows you. The perfect example is Google Plus profile photos. They're so tiny, especially in comments, you can't see what's going on there. If you hover over it, it shows you the whole thing. It's brilliant. So those are gonna be my two image-related extensions (laughs) that I cannot live without. Um, And I know, know most people probably can live without them, but I can't, and I'm the one giving extension advice.
0: <laughs> I I know for a fact I can live without it, because I did, I did try images for a while, <clears throat> and I just found it to be um, a lot more annoying and obtrusive, I guess, than it was useful. Um, but I also, at the same time, was trying another app that did the same thing, but with any link you hovered over, it would give you a preview of the website that it's linking to. So you, I couldn't move my mouse anywhere on my screen without something popping up, whether it was an image preview or a website preview. And so I just stopped using both of them. The, the website one didn't even always work very well. The images one worked well. Uh, it did what it said it would do. But that other one oftentimes just wasn't... Didn't work very well when I actually wanted pop-ups to show up. Sometimes they wouldn't. That was annoying. But, uh, yeah, I tried images. It it works. It does exactly what what they say it will, how Craig described it. The Google Plus thing, though, I mean, when you hover over them, it shows you their card anyways. I'm not sure I would use that on Google Plus a whole lot. So when when you hover over a picture, you see the profile card pop-up and a larger preview of the image pop-up at the same time.
1: Yes, but usually they don't overlap. Usually images is smart enough to put it off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um and you can also hover you can hover over the small version, get the card, and then move your mouse on top of the card and hover over the profile shown there, and it'll, <laughs> then it'll give you the full version. So it'll be like three layers, which is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Straight up image <laughs>
0: inception right there.
1: Definitely. Especially if it's a face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's my face. Who wouldn't want to see that three times in three different sizes? No comment, James. We're <laughs> not going down that path. Okay. Um, my turn. Uh, I like kind of like what we're doing here with the uh, two apps at a time thing. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about two apps that I use in conjunction with each other. Um, probably three of you know this, and two of you are Craig and John. Um, I have a website called Chromebooks.support where I, I make videos um, and two apps that I use. I, I make all those videos with my Chromebook. I edit them with my Chromebook. Um, and the apps that I use to do it, uh, Screencastify is an extension. And uh, that is one of the extensions that I usually leave disabled until I'm going to use it. Um, and the other one is called MiniMirror. Um, what Screencastify allows me to do is it allows me to record my screen, <clears throat> or I can record uh, through my webcam. Um, so I can choose how I want to do that. And uh, so what I actually do is I use Mini Mirror, which records from my webcam, and it puts a, uh, just a square window on my screen um, that displays whatever my webcam is recording. So my face with my backdrop. And uh, and then I use Screencastify to record my desktop screen, um, and that's how I that's how I do my videos. So you can see me talking um, in the bottom corner, uh, but most of what you're seeing is my actual desktop. So I can show you what I'm doing, what app I'm using, how I'm using it. Um, and Screencastify has some some pretty cool options. I mean, you can control the the resolution at which you record. So a video is not that important to you. Um, I record this show just as a backup. John records it normally. Um, <clears throat> I use ScreenCastify to record the audio just as a backup. So I turn the resolution all the way down and the frames per second all the way down because I don't care about the video. But when I'm doing my videos for Chromebooks.support, um, it does allow me to record in uh, 720p. So that's technically high definition. <laughs> um, and I can choose to record microphone or tab audio. Um, and what it does is it can either save it locally to your device or what I recently found out you can do is you can tell it to save, uh, to Google drive. So that's pretty cool. Cause, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all Chromebooks. I'm, I'm all about the cloud. Don't have a lot of local storage. So, um, it'll just save it to, to Google drive for me. Um, and then I can take it from there, put it on YouTube, edit it and all that stuff. So, um, those two apps are pretty cool. Uh, there is another app that Francois Bufour Maybe I said that right. I don't know if he made the app or if he's just talking about it Um, it's uh, I Can't remember what it's called even bubble mirror. I think Does the same thing as mini mirror, but the video is displayed uh, As a circle instead of a square which sounds like it'd be easy to make that happen It's not it actually Takes a lot of effort because it's still basically a square and the part that's not the circle is transparent and so That is a kind of a, right now it's a dev, uh, dev, you have to be in dev channel and maybe even dev mode. I don't remember to make that happen. So, um, but that's something that we may see coming down the line. Um, but for right now, mini mirror is good enough. Um, I don't, hate squares. I'm not a square hater. So.
1: Well, you put up with me, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true.
1: Well, I have to agree with screencastify. I use it every now and then. Um, I often have to record screencasts of issues that are going on in order to file bug reports. So for that, it's perfect. Um, It's never let me down. And like James said, it goes straight to Google Drive, which is perfect, because then I can throw it to my Windows box, do modifications if I need to, turn it into a GIF if I need to, and move on.
0: Ah, yes, that's a new feature. It lets you turn your video into a GIF. That's pretty cool.
1: It does, but I haven't had good luck with that. I use a separate tool. Um, let me see if I can pull up the name of it.
0: I, I use... Try it yet? Isn't it a paid feature? Or if you want anything more than like five seconds, it's a paid feature or something.
1: I'm not sure. But on Windows, I use an app called LiceCap Cap to make my GIFs from videos or whatever else is going on on the screen. It seems to work okay. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it works for me. Um so my two apps, because now it's my turn, and I think these are the last two we're going to get to. Yeah. Um, the first one is called MiniLock, and it's just a very simple, very simple app. You download it. Uh, there's, you log into it using an email address and a passphrase. Um, now the email address does not get stored anywhere. So it doesn't even need to be a valid email address. It doesn't have to be your email address. It just needs to be an email address. And what it does is is it it allows you to encrypt files on Chrome OS and then send them to other people. Um, You can send them to other people or you can just store them on Google Drive or something, but it allows them to be encrypted on your Chromebook and kept essentially unreadable by the rest of the world. So I use it a lot for, like, my tax documents and things like that before I put them on Drive just so I know that if my Google account gets compromised... They may be able to download them, but they're not going to be able to open them. So for me, it's a little bit of peace of mind. And then it's also very handy if you want to send somebody something. Uh, maybe you're going to send a client a copy of something, but you're on, under a non-disclosure agreement, and you want to make sure that you know it gets there safely without someone reading it while it's in transit. It's very simple. You both install the app. You're ready to go. Um, so that's, that's app number one. And then app number two is called Data Saver for Chrome. And this is actually a beta app. And I know James has had some unfortunate experience with it, but essentially what it does is you install it and then it begins to send all of your non-encrypted traffic through Google servers before it enters the open internet. And the reason why you would want to run all of your non-encrypted traffic through Google servers is because they will do the task of compressing it for you and sending you a compressed, smaller version of the resources you're trying to access. Now this is most noticeable for things like images, which tend to be high resolution and take up a lot of bandwidth, Um, but it's also noticeable uh, somewhat for things like uh, uh, compressing just general websites, removing uh, white spaces and spaces in general from code, things like that. Um, So it minifies assets that web servers are serving to you. The bottom line, though, is that it does two things for the user. The first is it will actually speed up your connection. Now, it won't speed up everyone's connection, but if you're on a slower connection already, you may notice a faster um, connection because you're actually downloading less than you would be typically. The second benefit is if you are using a mobile hotspot or you're tethering to your phone, it will save you bandwidth. And that's not not a joke or anything, it really does. And it shows you a nice little pretty graph when you click on the extension of how much data you've been using versus how much data you would have been using if you weren't using the extension. So all in all, I like it. Um, It is very easy to forget that you have it activated. So if you're going hunting for a wallpaper or something and you notice Mm -hmm. that they're all low quality, you might want to disable the extension and then refresh the page. So it pulls down the full resolution ones. Um, yes. Yes. I've done that at least once and I know James has done something similar at least once. So that's a pitfall, but it's easily avoided and definitely worth the trade off.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For me, that's one of the, that's one of the extensions that I keep disabling most of the time. Um, if I was going to tether, which I do um, on occasion to my phone, uh, then, yeah, I would enable that um, to try to reduce the amount of data that i'm that I'm using on my limited data plan. But at home on Wi-Fi, um, I'm not so worried about it, so I don't have it enabled there., uh, but it does work. And like Craig says, it does show you how much how much uh, data that you're saving. Um, and it is significant uh, it, it is worth it, especially if you are tethering to your phone. It is definitely worth um, enabling that extension to save yourself some data. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, and I used Minilock one time just to just to test it with Craig. Um, he sent me something, um, encrypted it. <clears throat> I think I had to send him my key so that he could encrypt the file using my key. Um, so then I was the only one that was actually able to open that file. So if he would have accidentally emailed it to John, John would not have been able to open it.
1: Um, only well, would. John would have tried. Sure. <laughs> because that's the relationship we have. <laughs> yeah. But he wouldn't have been able to, and that's the advantage of using Minilock.
0: Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely see um, see that being useful for uh, for sensitive files that you don't want people to be able to open. Um, I, I would have to re-register because I forgot my passphrase. It's a really long passphrase that they make you use and I forgot it. So um, I actually also am not able to open the file that Craig sent me because I don't remember my passphrase. So that is the most protected file in existence. No one can open that thing.
1: (laughs) And just to clarify, you don't actually have to create an account. It's all done locally. So you type in a email address and a password, um, but that never gets sent anywhere. It's all handled locally. So yeah, if you forget your, your password or passphrase, uh, you're not going to be able to open your files. But that's yep. true for any encryption. You forget your Google account password, you're not going to get into your Chromebook either.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. So don't forget your password. Um, it's only got to be like 60 characters long, so can't be that hard to remember it. Um, I think that about wraps it up. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's unfortunate that John wasn't able to join us, but he is, he is off doing important things um, with work, saving lives. Um, it's what he does. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to um, enjoy his presence next week. Hopefully I will not sound like I'm dying. Um, And uh, we look forward to, uh, I don't know. What do we look forward to Greg? We look forward to seeing that people are listening to the show. We can't watch you listen to our show, but we can see that you've done it and we look forward to that.
1: Yes. We sit down and look at the traffic stats every day after we record and we are usually pretty disappointed. So we need to, (laughs) we need to work on that guys. Yes.
0: Yes. Help us, help us, help us.
1: Right. Help boost our egos by giving us something to talk about.
0: Yes, we need that. All right, guys, thanks for listening.
1: Of course we're joking though. We, we love the support we've gotten so far. It's, it's wonderful. Our viewers are fantastic and we are thrilled. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, as James was trying to say before I rudely interrupted.
0: <laughs> no, that was good. That's good. It's right. We've gotten some positive feedback and we've gotten some criticism and we love it all. We love that people are engaged and uh, keep it up.